All right, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tube Podcast. It is Friday, July the 7th, 2017, and today we're going to touch on a couple of topics. Uh, before we do that, thank you guys for continuing uh, to give your selections on the Southeast Tube's Reader Awards poll that I keep putting out there with a lot of different categories, and we're actually going to start with the latest category, and that is with the Freshman of the Year in the SEC. Now, this is one that's going to be talked about a whole lot simply because you're going to see a lot of freshmen in the league this year, you know, have a chance to to maybe be the best player on their prospective teams. And so it's going to get a lot of attention. We all know how good this 2017 recruiting class is. I mean, you look right now, if you go to 247sports.com, six teams in the top 21 currently in this 2017 class you've got kentucky of course alabama missouri lsu texas a&m and florida uh, you know 11 sec teams in the top 50 so there's gonna be a lot of good young players in this this class i mean there's gonna be a lot of good players getting a lot of minutes and that's the most important thing here you're going to see a lot of youth on the floor, and we've talked about youth being a real big theme of the SEC in recent years. You look back last year, this was the most inexperienced league in the country, and now you're going to add more youth, but you've also got all those guys making that freshman to sophomore jump, you know, sophomore to juniors. You have a lot more experience added to that, uh, so it's really going to make it interesting to see how a lot of these really highly talented freshmen fit into the mix at their respective schools. Now, you know, early on in the poll, as I would expect it to be, there is a lot of people pointing at two particular guys based on, you know, how highly ranked they are. And you have to obviously start with Michael Porter Jr. at Missouri. I mean, here's the guy who is the number one player in this class. And to see him come into Missouri, have an opportunity to take a program that simply was losing 20 games year in and year out, uh, during the Kim Anderson era and and now have a chance in his first year and you know probably his only year in Columbia get Missouri to the NCAA tournament that that's going to be something that he's going to have a chance to do not just because of how talented he is because you know you have three guys returning that I still think are getting highly undervalued when you talk about Terrence Phillips Kevin Purrier Jordan Barnett I think those three guys are much better than the records showed over the years. I mean, you know, their numbers were high, which are very good. Uh, they were very productive. And I know a lot of people say, well, they were very good on a team that, you know, was consistently losing 20-plus games. But I still think when you consider those three, add them with the youth that, that Missouri's going to add, the different style of play, and obviously Porter Jr., who can do anything on both ends of the floor, uh, that certainly is going to provide the Tigers with a lot of chances to get to the NCAA tournament. And Porter, he's going to be the driving force if they do get there. So, you know, th- that's the one most people are, are looking at right away, and why wouldn't they? Though another guy's being mentioned is is Colin Sexton from Alabama. Now, here's another guy who comes in as, as one of the top recruits in the class. Uh, he comes into an Alabama team that seemingly is already made with enough pieces to where it's a very, very good defensive team. It's an offensive team that 
really didn't reach its potential last year and struggled a lot of the time because they didn't have a guy like Sexton on the floor that could create offense uh, in so many different ways. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you see how Sexton could have an impact on that offense, not only himself scoring, but we're talking about being a high assist guy and doing a lot of different things there uh, that are going to help Alabama both on the offense and defensive end of the floor. And certainly he would be a guy that's going to be among the mix for getting that freshman of the year award. Now, here's what I would remind you of. Don't forget about Kentucky. And I know it's easy to do when you think about the these two guys we just mentioned with Porter Jr. and Sexton because these are two really, really, really good players. We, we all know that. I mean, these are two guys ranked in the top five. Porter's one, Sexton's four. But when you look beyond that, let's all remember that seven players, you know, in the SEC in the top 20, five of them are from Kentucky. You, you certainly have the two we've mentioned higher up the rankings right now, which to me, recruiting rankings are what they are. There are good bases to look at going into a season. Once the season starts, they mean absolutely nothing. Um, these are all guys just on a, a particular team. They're not a five-star, four-star, whatever. They are players on a college basketball team. And so you look beyond that, I mean, you have five Kentucky guys in the top 20, which no surprise to anyone. I mean, you know, you got Hamadou Diallo, who's back now. We didn't know if he would be back. Here he is. Kevin Knox, Jared Vanderbilt, P.J. Washington, and Nick Richards as well. So Kentucky has a lot of people to choose from. And year in and year out, it's always a safe bet to look at Kentucky and say, okay, let me pick one guy from that Kentucky team, and that will almost assuredly feel like he's going to be the SEC Freshman of the Year. Is that going to be the case this year? It's a great question because you do have the other two guys who certainly bring a dynamic skill set. But when you think about, you know, how how is it going to factor in? Which one of these guys has the chance to offer the most production? Diallo and Knox are two that I've continued to talk about to where I think they are going to kind of be the, the main catalyst on that Kentucky team because they have what seems like the most well-rounded skill sets of all the guys on that team, and it's just a matter of seeing who's going to get that edge in terms of scoring, who's going to have the ball in his hands in the key moments, and that's kind of what it's going to come down to, to see who that one particular guy from Kentucky could be that you say could be freshman of the year. And there are going to be multiple uh, people. Like I said, you could have the Diallo-Knox mix. You could have a guy like Vanderbilt slip in there, Washington, Richards, um, and you never can tell because it's all about building that chemistry at Kentucky, and we never know how that chemistry is going to kind of come together year in and year out. There seems to be more concerns with this team than there has been in recent years, and maybe that's just a situation of people looking for stuff to kind of you know pick at and really just try to find holes as they do every year with all these great recruiting classes that John Calipari brings in there. So those are guys certainly at the top of the mix right now for the freshman of the year. Um, you know, I'll probably give you my short list possibly next week sometime. Uh, but I think there it is. I mean, that is the short list when you think about it. Those are the guys who are going to receive the most attention. But like I said, let's not forget that recruiting classes as a whole, you've got 11 SEC teams in the top 50. So there are a bunch of good players in there that can break out and potentially be, you know, superstar-type performers for their particular team. And it's just a matter of seeing how it's all going to mesh together in all these different places. And that's always the case. When you have new players coming in, making the high school to college jump, no matter how good they are, 
you know, it's all about seeing what the fit is with the other guys on the team and, and how they can kind of boost their production in that way. So continue to send in your selections over on Twitter at the Blake Level. Send me your freshman of the year pick. And as I put in there in, in um, parentheses, unbiased picks. I know it's going to be hard to do for some of you, uh, but that's okay. I understand that. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of excitement around a lot of programs in the SEC. And so there, there's a lot of reason for you guys to really believe in perhaps a particular freshman on your roster. So, uh, yeah, keep sending those in and we will continue to touch on the freshman of the year as we go along here on the Southeast Hoops Reader Awards. And another quick topic for today uh, here on Friday is just talking about, we, we've already talked about one non-conference schedule. A lot of non-conference schedules have been released, uh, but you know, most of the stuff I've done on that has been written over on the website, but I want to dive into each team's non-conference schedule as we go throughout the offseason here on the podcast as well. And one particular team who released theirs uh, on June the 30th, so that was not too long ago, and that was Texas A&M. And the Aggies are going to have a team, as I've said, you know, you look at Texas A&M, they are loaded with talent. They are loaded with playmakers. And it's a matter of seeing how J.J. Caldwell really changes the dynamic of that point guard position. If they cannot turn the ball over, that's going to give them so so many more opportunities. And if they can do that, this is a Texas A&M team, I think you're seriously going to look at and say, okay, Throw them in the mix because they're one of the teams that's as well. It's going to be able to challenge Kentucky at the top, I think, just because of all that depth that they're going to have. Um, and you have guys who have been there. You have Robert Williams, Tyler Davis, obviously DJ Hogue, Admon Gilder, who we talked about yesterday, among the most underrated players in the SEC. There's a lot there to like for Billy Kennedy's squad heading into the year. But to specifically touch on this non-conference schedule for the Aggies, and guys, it is really loaded with a lot of good basketball teams on here. Uh, they start their season off against West Virginia in Germany. West Virginia's a team a lot of people are going to be picking, possibly in their top 10, top 15. Um, Bob Huggins has another strong team there. Then they, they come back home a week later. They get UC Santa Barbara, who has a new head coach there, and Joe Pasternak, uh, who was at Arizona for many years. Then they're going to go to the Legends Classic in Brooklyn, and there, there are Pitt, Penn State, Oklahoma State. Look, you know, I think when you look at all those programs in there, those are programs that, that maybe are continuing to try to build a little bit more. Uh, so Texas A&M, to me, is the favorite going into that particular event. Then November 24th, they have Pepperdine. Then a big-time game. They're at USC on November the 26th. Then USC is a team that I think a lot of people are going to look at and say they have a real legitimate chance to push Arizona uh, in the Pac-12. And that's saying something when, when, like I've said before, when I think myself and many others probably consider Arizona to be the best team in the country on paper heading into the 2017-18 season. So playing that game at USC against a very talented team that Andy Enfield has there, that will be a must-watch game. Uh, because you're talking about two teams here with depth, playmakers, and and that's going to be a really exciting game to watch. So make sure you mark that one on your calendar. Uh, Then they return home. They have Utah, Rio Grande Valley on the schedule. And here we go again. Arizona. They play Arizona in Phoenix on December the 5th. And and there's another one. I mean, that right there, just up to this point, you think about having West Virginia, USC, Arizona on the schedule – 
boy, those are three really, really tough games that are going to definitely help the RPI either way. But you talk about if Texas A&M is able to win, let's say, two of those games, no matter what the combination is, that's going to show you what the Aggies are capable of when they get into SEC play and really prove that they have the depth necessary to, to be a deep NCAA tournament team. Then they're going to come back. They get, uh, they're going to get four straight home games after that Arizona matchup in Phoenix. They have Prairie View A&M, Savannah State, Northern Kentucky. John Brandon got them there to the NCAA tournament in the first year of eligibility for them having a chance to get to the tournament. And he will have a chance to return some players that, that are going to have another good year. Uh, Buffalo is on the schedule as that last part of the homestand in the non-conference slate. And then Texas A&M, another just ridiculous road game. They're at Kansas late January in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. And there's another team. You know, there are potentially, in that in that mix, they have games against four potential top 10 teams. And quite frankly, I think at that point in the season, you could see teams, uh, maybe three of those teams are in the top five. That's just how good all these teams kind of look on paper. When you talk about Kansas, Arizona, and USC, and you don't want to overlook West Virginia's having that kind of possibility as well. So that that's a really deep schedule. I mean, that that is one field with a lot of potential games that could certainly be losses. But when you talk about if Texas A&M is able to win some of those games against those kind of top 10 type teams we're talking about here, uh, that that's going to speak volumes as to what this group of players is going to be able to do there. And when you have an NBA talent like Robert Williams, when you have a big guy inside like Tyler Davis, a guy like DJ Hogue who can make plays, a score in Admon Gilder, a point guard in J.J. Caldwell. And let's not forget, they have a really good young nucleus coming in and Tony Troach Morales is back as well. So there's a lot to like about this A&M team. And when you look at the non-conference schedule, they're going to be tested. And I think it's only going to help them as they go forward into SEC play because there's just so many uh, challenging games in there, especially when you talk about being away from home in most of those games. So that'll be fun to look out for. And we will continue, like I said, to dive into more non-conference schedules for all these teams as we go throughout the offseason here. And then we'll also eventually... Touch on the conference schedule as well. Once all teams release their entire schedules, uh, then we'll have a better idea of being able to break down these schedules in more depth and detail. So I hope you'll stay tuned here to the Southeast Tubes podcast. And you can do that by subscribing. Just go over to your podcast app, whatever you use, search for Southeast Tubes, and you will find the podcast on there. You can subscribe that way. You can get every episode sent to you as soon as they go up each day. And like I said, you know, we're doing this uh, five days a week now. It's a lot of fun throughout the offseason to dive into so many different topics within SEC basketball. And so if you haven't, be sure to go back, listen to our our past episodes, because most of it is not really time-sensitive content. It's stuff you can listen to throughout the offseason to really get you geared up with a lot of information, a lot of knowledge uh, as well. So be sure to do that. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Southeast Hoops podcast. Have a great weekend. I will talk to you guys on Monday.